do is we walk them through a four-month, week-by-week curriculum of how to overcome the effects of abuse. Because, you know, these men and women, they know what abuse is. But how do I overcome lack of identity? How do I overcome fear? How do I overcome codependency? You're not going to get out of a, a violent situation if you're codependent on that person. How do I overcome generational sin, the learned behavior of slapping and hitting and yelling and drinking and drugging? All of this is paramount to overcome and be that man or woman of God that uh, he created you to be. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we welcome Janet Knapper, founder and chief executive officer of Overcoming Abuse God's Way. Janet, it's been a while, but it is nice to have you on our Mid-South Viewpoint today. How are you doing? Hi, Byron. I'm doing well. So nice to be with you again. I was uh, thinking about this pandemic in light of the work that you do through Overcoming Abuse God's Way, and I've heard statistically across the nation and really around the world, domestic violence has been on the increase. So I thought it might be good if we could get together and talk about how you are helping families right here in the Memphis and Mid-South area, and of course, and beyond too. Before we get started in our conversation, Janet, for those who don't know you, you were orphaned at two years old. You were abandoned in an apartment and you were left for dead. Yes, that's true. It's affected my life until I came in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Janet, specifically, how did Christ reach you in your time of need? You know, Byron, I came to a point of desperation. Childhood abuse leaves you doing all sorts of things that don't prosper. In my codependency, and my addiction, nothing satisfied. And believe it or not, I was invited to church immediately there was something in the atmosphere that drew me in. And of course, that was the love of Christ. And I never looked back. I just kept pursuing, pursuing, pursuing to this day. I want to refer our conversation to a New York Times article that was written last month entitled, A New COVID-19 Crisis, Domestic Abuse Rises Worldwide. Movement restrictions aimed to stop the spread of the coronavirus may be making violence in homes more frequent, more severe, and more dangerous. As cities and towns across China locked down, a 26-year-old woman named Lili found herself entangled in more and more arguments with her husband, with whom she now had to spend every hour in their home in this providence in eastern China. On March 1st, while Lili was holding her 11-month-old daughter, her husband began to beat her with a high chair. She's not sure how many times he hit her. Eventually, she says, one of her legs lost feeling and she fell to the ground, still holding the baby in her arms. A photograph she took after the incident shows the high chair lying on the floor in pieces. Two of its metal legs snapped off, evidence of the force with which her husband hit her. Another image documents Lily's injuries. Nearly every inch of her lower legs were covered in bruises. She says that her husband had abused her throughout their six-year relationship, but the COVID-19 outbreak made things far worse. Janet, this is such a heartbreaking story, but you hear this a lot, don't you? Yes, Byron. The word says that all things are common to man. So if it's happening to Lily, it's happening all over the world. Here's something I found very interesting. Mental health, addiction, and suicide lines have skyrocketed. But do you know that the domestic violence lines have been down 16%? 
Well, I saw that. You know, I read in another report, an ABC News report, Rebecca Levinson, she's a police consultant on domestic violence in Los Angeles, and she says that for victims, their world has gotten a whole lot smaller, and they're hyper-vulnerable because of technology. With home cameras, you literally can't do anything, she added. The abuser can check which website you were on and check your phone. Police said that's resulted in fewer calls in Los Angeles County, and they're combating this with Behind Closed Doors, a campaign aimed at helping helping abuse victims too scared to seek help. So I think what we're seeing is it's on the increase. It's happening, but these victims are afraid to reach out. That's exactly right. If a dog bites you, you're not going to put your hand in front of that dog anymore. If you're getting beat up, you are not going to take a chance of making a call and being caught uh, to be beat up again. And that's what's happening with the covid uh, husbands and wives and, and relationships and even children, they're all under the same roof and tension rises. You know, with the Lily case, um, as you just read, it's rooted in anger, Byron. And so anger stems from a hurt, usually in the past, okay? And hurt people hurt people. We've heard that a hundred times. Then it goes into the frustration. So we have the hurt. Now we're frustrated. That's usually in the present. And then the fear and anxiety kicks in, and then you have the violence. So if I can break that down, you have someone that's triggered, uh, COVID-19, stuck in the house, no job. Maybe they're thinking of something that uh, has happened in the past related to that. Now they're frustrated. They don't know what to do, and they take it out on the person next to them. We hurt the ones we love. Have you ever heard that saying? Yeah, boy, have I ever. And I myself have been a victim of that, too. And I know the pain of that. You know, a lot of that, as you mentioned, happens in childhood when children are abused and they have this uh, unresolved trauma they've never dealt with. So they go on with their life. They try to just learn how to survive. And yet sometimes, not for everybody, but oftentimes, those who have been abused, as you mentioned, they themselves, because they were not properly treated, did not work through the process of finding healing, they themselves become abusive. Yes. We were created for relationships, first with God and then with others. And of course, that relationship was to be rooted in that unconditional love, which only comes from the understanding of how much God loves us. But guess what? Children grow up and they become adults, and they get in relationships. And if they haven't had that healing, if they hadn't had that nurturing, and by the way, the Church is the safety net for those like us who haven't had that nurturing and healing through childhood. If they hadn't had that healing, it's going to manifest in their relationships. Byron, we have wonderful men and women of God who love Him, who, who, who hunger and thirst for Him, but they can't come to the end of themselves because they've never been ministered to. Yeah. Well, Janet, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, one in three women and one in four men in the United States have experienced violence from an intimate partner in their lifetime. And the risk of victims are severe. CDC data link intimate partner violence with an increased risk of injury and death. About 41% of female intimate partner violence survivors and 14% of male intimate partner violence survivors sustain a physical injury from their abusers. And about one in six homicide victims are killed by their intimate partners. You know, I'm thankful that you mentioned the male statistic because the male is not recognized as much as the female. And of course, everyone is equal in the sight of God. 
the men they don't report as much as the as the women. But we have women that have grown up um, in families where there was only a single mom, and the mom had to be domineering and in control. And, you know, the American Association of Christian Counselors state that when a child is born, what they see becomes their identity from the time they open their eyes. So we have the Gerber baby, and then we also have the little baby that looks afraid and scared. And these babies grow up with that identity. And so we have domineering wives and women in relationships, and that's out of God's order, and it doesn't work. And they wind up, you know, hitting their husbands or emotionally abusing their husbands. And, you know, of course, it's on the on the woman's side as well, but we have a problem in society, yeah. and it needs to be fixed, and it only can be fixed through the understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus, the love that He has for us. Janet, are you seeing, since this COVID-19 pandemic started, are you seeing an increased number of calls to your ministry? In light of the social distancing, we have conference calls. And yes, we have had extra women call our conference not line. We have women not only from the Memphis area, DeSoto County, um, Shelby County, but we also have women now from Atlanta and other areas of the nation calling in these conference lines because it's available to them. And they are speaking about the loneliness. They're speaking about uh, being afraid in their homes. Yes, Byron, that is true. So you're having to redirect the way your ministry operates now, as you mentioned, in light of the social distancing. Normally you would be in a kind of a small group setting, I assume. Yes, more than ever, uh, the abuse support groups are necessary. And I believe that's why we're getting an increase in calls. Not only, again, in our Mid-South area, but uh, around the nation, if I can say it that way, from Atlanta, Georgia, and other areas. Well, how does overcoming abuse God's way make the connection with those seeking help? Typically, I know we're (laughs) we're in a whole different time right now, but for those women needing help, even men needing help, how do you typically connect with them? Well, it's... Most of our connections are by referral or by advertising or by social media. And what we do is we walk them through a four-month, week-by-week curriculum of how to overcome the effects of abuse. Because, you know, these men and women, they know what abuse is. But how do I overcome lack of identity? How do I overcome fear? How do I overcome codependency? You're not going to get out of a, a violent situation if you're codependent on that person. How do I overcome generational sin, the learned behavior of slapping and hitting and yelling and drinking and drugging? All of this is paramount to overcome and be that man or woman of God that uh, he created you to be. So you can do all the things that your heart desires that God has given you. Janet, when you first were looking to develop the curriculum that you use, and I'm sure you've fine-tuned it over the years since the ministry first started. What were some of the first initial impressions that you had that you realized it had to be laid out as you developed this curriculum? Besides the normal rejection, forgiveness, the absolutes for me were codependency, generational sin, root strongholds, and then soul ties. Because those final elements, and that is the last part of the curriculum uh, brings a complete circle of what you learn in the beginning, which is what is abuse, the spirit, soul, and body, how does that all operate? Rejection is huge. You know, Byron, men and women feel rejected 
if someone doesn't like what they're wearing, well, they're not rejecting you as the person. They're rejecting if they just don't like the outfit. And we all have our own opinions on things. But something that simple can cause a man or a woman to feel isolated, alone, and lonely. And that's simply a lie. Yeah. Wow. You know, I know the big question for many is, should I stay? Should I go? Abuse victims contemplate that often. They're scared for their lives. They're scared for the lives of their children if they leave. It's really a trap. It is a trap. And when I'm faced with, I'm faced with two very tough questions. Those questions are, one, if God loves me, why did he allow this to happen? Byron, now you know that's a tough question. Yeah. My answer to that is, just as a baby steals a cookie and hides it behind his back, knowing that that is wrong, God, you know, Romans, everyone knows there's good and bad, evil. So a person who is going to abuse you, to harm you, to violate you, knows it is wrong because God is giving all the bells and whistles. They violate God's will for your life, for their own selfish, and God will take care of that. Whether that person turns his life over to God and repents and makes it right with you, or afterwards. The next question is, I don't want to leave my husband. I love him. You don't have to leave your husband. Leave the circumstance. Get away where there's safety for you and your children. Get help with education. Get help with spiritual renewal, understanding your life in Christ, all that is before you, all the the hope and the future that God has for you. Leave your husband to God, and he will find help on his own, and then eventually you both get counseling, then eventually you come together and get counseling. Just use wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. The Bible says a prudent person foresees evil and hides himself. I believe that's in Proverbs. Get away from the circumstance. Don't leave your husband. Don't leave your marriage. Leave the circumstance. When you put that spin on it, it's a whole lot easier for women uh, to get out and get help for themselves and their children. Can you give us an example maybe of a story that stands out to you? Of course, you've got your own story, I know, but someone who has come through the ministry of overcoming abuse God's way. I know there's many. Just one particular one stand out you might share that could offer some hope to our listeners today. Yes. um, This one particular woman, she came to me and and she sat down and she said, I will never forgive my brother, but I want help. And I said, okay, well, you don't have to do anything. Let's just talk. So over the course of time, she understood that her peace and her hope and her whole future lied in this forgiveness that she said she would never do. But as she began to understand her ramifications from abuse, her anger, her unforgiveness, and all of what has happened to her as a result of. And then as we walked her through how to forgive, not only forgive your brother, but forgive what he didn't do, what he didn't say. You know, there's there's deeper levels of forgiveness. Anyway, long story short, she forgave her brother, Byron. And not only that, the brother wound up getting cancer Before he died, he apologized to her, and they bonded, and he went to heaven. That man repented, gave his life to God, apologized to his sister. She was there in the hospital when he passed away. Full restoration. What a wonderful story. I know that story gets repeated over and over again through Overcoming Abuse God's Way ministry, but how do you convince someone, Janet, to get help 
when they are afraid and feel so vulnerable. And many feel that they've done something wrong. They're the reason why they're being abused. And that's that codependency, I assume. That is the codependency. We can never convince anyone that they need help. They have got to want to be helped. So when they call us, we let them know of who we are, and we let them know that we are here for you. I will get text messages, phone calls, and the other uh, women within our ministry and men for months before anyone ever decides to come and get help. Here's the issue. Childhood abuse breeds relationship abuse. It also breeds lack of uh, respect for authority. They're not going to trust. They're not going to trust me. They're not going to even trust God. They've got to test and see that your love, that your acceptance, that your help is unconditional and steadfast. So we can never convince anyone to get help, but we can love them to want to help. Yes. Trying to reframe a woman's identity that's been abused like this, this got to be such a major project. Ah, but when they discover (laughs) all that Jesus did for them, yes, Jesus died on the cross at Calvary. These women have heard that story a million times, but as they go through the process of understanding that we're accepted, though we're guilty of many sins, abused women and men, we have many sins. We've fornicated, we've, we've drugged, we've lied, we've stealed. When they realize that God loves them in spite of, accepts them, when the whole world, according to their minds, are rejecting them, they're interested. Who is this God? Kind of like Mary at the well, you know? Uh-huh. He knows me, and he still wants me. It's not that difficult, believe it or not. It's a good word there, Janet. I get asked this question periodically. Is there a safe place or a safe home that an abused person can get away to that's right in our local area? This is the thing that breaks my heart, Byron. There is the Mariah House. Uh, for addiction and abuse, there is a, there are a couple of places. For me, I want to send someone to a place where Christ is centered, because we don't want to re-victimize these women. However, on the other hand, if you're being beat up and 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 and, and violence is in your midst, it don't matter where you go. Get out, and get safe. But we do need Bible-based Christian safe houses. I'm currently working, uh, don't know if you know this, with Daryl Boyd, the Tipton County Dream Center. Uh, Hopefully that will open by the end of the year. That is for abused women. It's for trafficked women. It's for addicted women. It's the old uh, orphanage, the old uh, Munford Orphanage. Oh, okay. And so we're working on that project. But there aren't very many places. We are affiliated with City Gate Network. The Mariah House yes. and the uh, Memphis Union Mission are under their umbrella. I am also a member of that for about five years. Why? Because 98% of uh, homeless women have been abused. 70% of homeless men have been abused. And so for that reason, if someone comes and needs a place to go and they're willing to relocate, I have a place to plug them in. Well, we need to pray. The Christians in the community need to pray and help support the causes of such home or help that's needed. You know, this is a big need, I know. And Byron, what we really need is a place where moms can go with their children. The Mariah House is the only safe house that I know of that will take children. Uh, Women need a one-year residential home. I myself was in a domestic violence home for one year. 
And the difference between the Christian women and, and women with kind hearts coming in was the Christian women, their bar of soap had a ribbon on it versus the other one that just gave a bar of soap. There is something to say about the love of God. It manifests through His people. And so, yes, as we're praying for homes, we really need a home where mom can bring her children. It's heart-wrenching to break from your children for both the parent and the, and the child. Yes, what a good word. Let's pray to that end and help support that cause. Well, Janet, I know another very important person in your life and in the ministry of overcoming abuse God's way is your husband, Kenneth. He himself has a story of redemption and restoration from a life of abuse, and as you mentioned, efforts to try to help support men who've been abused. Yes. Kenneth comes from a very uh, sad background. Um, His dad was an alcoholic, one you would find in the street. Kenneth started shooting up drugs, ran away at 13, never went home. But, But God, but God, Kenneth gave his life to the Lord at 20 years old, and he's just a wonderful man of God. He, too, has a group for men. Men that have been in Kenneth's group, have gone out of desperation of losing their marriages, whether it be pornography, whether it be anger and violence. And the same process of understanding the love of God, understanding God loves us, though we're guilty of many sins, understanding the past that without having understanding dictates your future, all of the gospel presented specific to abuse has caused these relationships to reunite and to thrive. It's so exciting for me. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful story. Well, hey, give us a quick update. Guy did a miracle. Uh, Kenneth had serious bout of cancer, and God did something miraculous in his life. Yes. Kenneth had a total of 40 lymph nodes taken out of the side of his neck. Uh, when there was no hope, we went to MD Anderson. They gave him a 25% chance to live. Byron, do you know I did the scariest thing I ever did? I prayed to God, my father. When <laughs> you are fatherless and you're praying to God who you've believed your whole life but not never really put him in the father position, Kenneth had a 25% chance to life, and now I'm asking God, my father, to save his life. Kenneth had a miracle. He is cancer-free today, and it came through nothing other than a miracle of God. Praise God for that. He is so good. And he the is same so good. He's not done with us, by No. And and the same God who's able to heal cancer from Kenneth. And he doesn't always choose to do that. We know that. But we know when it comes to being abused, there is hope. There's help through overcoming abuse God's way. And if you're out listening today to this program and you're trapped in a place of being abused, especially during the pandemic, and you felt this incredible pressure and you don't know where to turn, let me encourage you to turn to Janet in the ministry of overcoming abuse God's way. Janet, what's the first step? What does somebody need to do to reach out to you? They can uh, text or call 901-605-8087. They can go to the Facebook page and the Overcoming Abuse God's Way Facebook page and message us there if they don't want to give their phone number out. They can go to the website, overcomingabusegodsway.com, and message us there. I want to encourage you, if you're listening today and you're hurting from abuse, give us a call. We want to love on you. We want to help you. We want to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ specific to abuse, specific to your situation. Yes. 
Janet, I know in 2012 you wrote a book, Overcoming Abuse God's Way. Have you written any other books since then? Yes, we have the workbook that goes with that, Byron. It's called Highway to Wholeness. And then we have a little mini book called You Are Loved, a beautiful mini book that each page is uh, beautifully designed with a scripture or an inspirational quote. Yeah, so we have two new books, Highway to Wholeness and You Are Loved. You can get those at Barnes & Nobles. You can get them at ChristianBooks.com. And, of course, you can get anything on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> Janet, before we say goodbye, I was thinking about that woman who does feel trapped. Maybe a man that feels trapped. He's embarrassed to say that he's been abused. Would you just close us out in a prayer for those, pray for those that feel trapped, that are in an abusive situation today? I'd be honored. Father, thank you so much for everyone listening. Thank you for those right now who are broken, who are hurt, who are lost due to childhood abuse, due to relationship abuse. Father, I pray that your spirit would draw them in right now and give them the courage and the hope to reach out for their good, for the good of their family and for their hope and future. Thank you, Father. We thank you in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Janet. So great to have you back on the Mid-South Viewpoint program today. Thank you for sharing your heart and the love for Christ and what he can do to change lives for those who have been abused. We hope that you have a wonderful day. Thanks for stopping by this afternoon. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for joining us. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. We humble ourselves and we pray, we seek your face. Lord, help every listener to be salt and light into this world right now. God, I pray for pastors and leaders to have wisdom and clarity and direction. We ask that you would give us the motivation and the encouragement to reach out during this time. I pray for the people in our communities that may be lost and don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, you have a great mighty plan for us. So we pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. These are earnest prayers from people just like you. They call the Let's Pray Memphis prayer line, and we would appreciate your participation as well. If you're a pastor, ministry leader, or Christ follower like me, call to record your prayer anytime at 901-708-2688. After the beep, just say your name, which church you're from if you're a pastor, or the area of town you're calling from. Then say, Let's Pray Memphis. It's preferred that you keep your prayer to about 45 to 50 seconds. Recorded prayers will be heard on Let's Pray Memphis daily at noon. Remember to call 901-708-2688 and say, Let's Pray Memphis. Memphis.